weekend, eh? Well, Swift's won again. It's getting boring now. Two in a row. Don't know what to do with myself. And then Ireland. And then nearly like our second team, when Scotland beat England. It's Tom here. Andy Young, are you here? But he's an adopted son, right? So he's, he's okay. Oh, it's been so good. I could get used to this winning. Um, as you know, I have three boys, uh, three men now nearly, but uh, what I'm trying to do is connect with them. I love when we hang out together and we go to the car and go in the car and go and run. Still, I still actually love that. And sometimes we just go to posh places like McDonald's and do the drive through and uh, isn't it beautiful that McDonald's are doing three sizes of Big Macs at the minute? <laughs> I just think it's, it's fantastic. It's the best thing since sliced bread. Okay, for all you haters out there, there always will be haters. For the rest of us lovers, so anyway, all to say is that I love spending time with the boys individually, but uh, so I do different things with different boys. Caleb loves to, he's a talking shop, let me, he, he's gone to university and he knows everything about the world, science, politics, and religion. And uh, so he, I, I, I actually learn a lot from him, I'm learning more now than I've probably ever done. And so he's talking me through uh, Irish writers and, and stuff like that, and Yeats and I'm learning so, so much about culture and how they write into culture and all that. Phenomenal. And then there's Maddie, and me and Maddie love to do the Swifts. And uh, you can catch him on Sky TV dancing. <laughs> Have you seen him during the match live? And uh, we love to do that. And we've done that since he was very, very young, uh, home and away. And then Micah, Micah came home last week, and, and Micah pointed out that the thing that's the common thing for me and Micah, because Micah hates football, and... and uh, He's not a big reader, like myself, but he loves movies. And so we have never, ever missed a Marvel movie together. In fact, he came home last week, and so I, I actually, Confessions of a Pastor, skipped our life group, and then Michelle took sick, and there was no life group. Uh, the reason I did it at confession time is I wanted to go out with Micah before he went back to Liverpool, and we went to see Marvel, Marvel the Black Panther. Anybody seen it? So good, isn't it? So good. Uh, and there's a reason for saying all that, is that, I love stories with the good guys and bad guys. I just love simplicity. Uh, I love these books where there's, the, there's right and wrong. And, uh, and do you ever stop to think, where are the riots? The, the riots? Well, you probably would stop to think about that too if you live here. Where, do, where the writers and the poets have discovered the idea of conflict? Uh, they just didn't come up with it on their own. Of course not. There has always been conflict. And so they get it from the breathtaking story of the book, of the scriptures of the Bible. The conflict, the fight. And so John, who was an apostle, he is put on an island because he's a pain in the backside to the governing authorities of the day. He just won't pipe down about Jesus. He just won't stop talking about this great revolution of kindness called the church of Jesus Christ. It is an unstoppable force. And so the only way they can get this guy to quiet himself a little is they exile him prisoner to an island. And then the spiritual curtain, this maybe sounds a little weird, but please stay with me. Uh, all scripture is true, right? We can't just believe the teachings of Jesus and dismiss the core message of his teaching that there's the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. You can't talk about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God without talking about conflict. I'm sorry. 
We can't do that. So if you like the teachings of Jesus, this is part of it. it Maybe new to you this morning, but it's part of it. There is a war. And so John, the spiritual curtain of the universe was pulled back for a moment, and he sees this vision. Let me read the vision that John saw. Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But it was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, and an ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. Wow, it's kind of cosmic, isn't it? Sounds like a Marvels type of movie. So in the Old Testament, there's this prophet called Isaiah. And he gets a message from the king. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a specific message regarding a specific king who we now know as Jesus. And suddenly the message, it shifts from the earthly king to, to something bigger and wider than a human personality or even an earthly king. And this is what he talks about. How you've fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, listen to this word, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zion. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself the most high. I will, I will, I will. He's jockeying for worship. He's wanting himself to be the one that's worshipped. This guy's called the enemy of your soul, the devil. And it's still the same today. He still wants your worship. He still wants your attention. And sometimes he gets it. Three different ways. He's a deceptor. And he'll, he'll pull in your worship through worshiping material stuff and through uh, all sorts of things, whether that's you know, your, uh, your addictions to, to whatever. He, he, he'll bring that and he'll go after that because he wants to be the top dog. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And so this dark force who wants to be God is the reason why Jesus entered the world as a Jewish baby, right? He enters the world as a Jewish baby, and he came to confront them. He came to say, enough is enough. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new government. That's why the Bible says, repent. It, it, it's not about getting on your knees and saying a sinner's prayer. It means change the way that you think. There's a new rule and a new reign. There's a whole way to do life. Before this, the tyrant was here, and he was just making havoc and keeping people in bondage, whether that was through uh, addiction again, or pain, or brokenness, or sickness, or, or whatever that was. And, and he does not play fair, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment or two. But he, the, the, the reason that Jesus came was because he brought D-Day. He brought an invasion to the world that was held in bondage, and the world didn't even realize it at all. And he's still doing the same today. And again, we can't talk about Jesus as a great teacher and miss the core message that there is confrontation, that there is a war. There is a war. I want to just bust a couple of myths this morning if I can. I love to bust myths and I love to prod your thinking as a, as a teacher and as a pastor of this place. This is not dualism. This is not equal powers. The devil and God are not the same. Jesus is above all things, he controls all things, and the earth is his footstool. He is in control, he is over all things, and he will take care of this character when he returns. And he's never met a devil that he liked. That's why he destroyed, that's why they shrieked and cried out, that's why they said, why have you come? Have you come to destroy us? Yes, the answer will always be. And the answer is always, yes, we will destroy you. We will destroy you. That's the, the, the aim and the game of why we're here sitting in these black chairs this morning. It's something bigger than just sitting in a chair and, and sitting comfortably here. We are in conflict. We are spiritual warfare 
waiting to happen. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk this morning, if that's okay. I hope this doesn't weird you out, but it's so important that you know that there's somebody out there who actually wants to destroy your family, destroy this nation, and corrupt this world. But the good news is, the stronger one has come. He who is above all things, and all things are under his control. Again, it's not dualism, it's not equal powers, it's not some movie where the, the bad guy and the good guy have the same qualities and the same powers. No, 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 it is finished. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. I used to grow up thinking, people used to tell me, you have to make Jesus Lord. And then I discovered something that I don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. Sometime in my life, I need to recognize he is Lord and bow the knee and surrender to him. That's why it says that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not will be Lord. So you can't make him, you can't really make him Lord. You understand that, don't you? You can't make him Lord because he is Lord. He is magnificent. He is Jesus. And so we talked about church as a family. Week one, we talked about church as a hospital. Michelle did a phenomenal job this last two weeks. I actually loved, you guys are spoiled. You get to come here, sit in the seat and hear great teaching every week, week in, week out. Great worship, great coffee, great, great, great atmosphere, great crack. It's good. Wait, I don't understand why you don't show up every week. It's phenomenal. It's really good. And you know what I did the last two weeks? I wasn't coming with my pastor's head on, I was coming to receive from the word of God and from the teaching, and I absolutely loved it. I learned so much. Did you? Okay, okay what should you say? <laughs> Guys, we have a mission. The church of Jesus Christ has a mission. I want to talk this morning about something that maybe sounds a bit weird again, and we don't, we're not going to do weird. I can guarantee you that, but we are going to do real, and we're going to do Bible, and I'm going to go as far as the book goes. But we, as a church, we're a family, we are a hospital, we are a school, but that's not all that there is. We are an army, right? And I used to go to Sunday school, and I love Sunday school, and we used to sing a song that I came to hate. <laughs> uh, it went like this here. It was like the Do Nothing song, I called it. I don't get to play a song. It goes, I may never march with the infantry, ride with the cavalry, shit with the artillery. You know that song? And, but the best part of the song, the only thing you got to do was say, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Uh, and I used to come away thinking, I like to do a wee bit of shooting. <laughs> I like to do a wee bit of riding with the cavalry. And Christianity is summed up, you know, we don't do all that stuff because we're in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then I discovered something about Jesus later on in my life. And First John 3 and 8, the one that Jesus loved, he says this, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, that's pretty powerful. I like that. In Matthew 16, 18, one of my favorite all-time verses, Jesus says after... Uh, Peter receives a revelation, then we build the church on the revelation. He says this, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. I want to tell you this morning that we are not some sort of silly, um, naff bunch of people that sing silly songs and don't get to do anything. We are an unstoppable force. 
The church of Jesus Christ is an unstoppable force, and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. You see, Finier, we go into enemy territory. We don't even go to the gates and, and have prayer meetings, actually. We storm the gates, and we rescue people. Isn't that kind of cool? And I keep saying, I grew up, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm repeating, but it's worth repeating. I grew up thinking that, you know, oh, we're just holding on. The church is holding on, and Jesus is coming back someday, and we're all going to fly off in the sky, and uh, all that sort of nonsense. Uh, and, 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 and what was I saying? Oh, yeah, uh, and I believed that we were just hanging on and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail. And then I discovered something that gates never chase anybody. Right? Can you picture walking down Scott Street? And this is how the church lives. I'm sorry, guys, but there's another myth we need to bust. All that weirdness that's out there, all that crazy stuff about spiritual warfare, it's not in the book. It's not in the book. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this unstoppable force that goes and rescues the broken and the battered in our society. Right? That's what we're involved in. And so when you walk down Scott Street, don't be thinking there's a gate or an occult gate coming behind you. I've never seen a gate chase anybody. Have you? Please send me a YouTube clip if you've seen a gate chase anybody. And some smart Alec will find it. A storm somewhere in America where a gate is just blowing off and send it to me. <laughs> that does not count. <laughs> Guys, we are called to, to go into enemy territory. And that sounds big and grand, but we talked about it already this morning. So don't get weird. We've already talked about going into enemy territory. When the homeless are in a jungle and we march there with, with the love of Jesus. And the mercy of Christ, that's taking enemy territory. When we welcome those who are outside and those who are disadvantaged and those who uh, are just brokenhearted. Uh, and let me bust another myth because I know sometimes we can be a little prejudiced in this country and me, myself, being one of those from time to time. You know, you talk about the refugee crisis. Our brothers and sisters are there. I met them. I talked with them who, who their only crime is loyalty to Christ. Their only crime for uh, being beheaded in their capital city, in their town publicly, is because they believe in faith alone, in Christ alone. Right? So let's not get weird about social benefits or the daily meal or anything they got there. That's not what it's about. It's about the church of Jesus Christ taking in enemy territory and going in and busting the hell out of those gates and bringing heaven in. I like that. I think I'm going to preach to myself this morning, if that's okay. And Blackie, you have no chance of seeing the football at half 12. This is my dad's favorite verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Wow. If you lived your life with that verse alone, it's got mileage, it's got legs. Wow, isn't it powerful? Isn't it a powerful text of Scripture? We're on the one inside, guys. The stronger one has come. Jesus is powerful. He's magnificent. He has won the battle. Okay, we're in the D-Day. We've got more, we're more battles to fight. But this war is over and finished. It is complete. Jesus is the victor. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, the devil's back and the enemy's back is broken. And it's our job to keep breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it until he returns. 
See, we talk about the love of God and the agape love of, of Christ. I want to tell you, it's not a passive, neat, little hold-back, tidy church thing. I'm going to talk about it, actually, in the next three weeks. I'm going to talk about the love of Jesus Christ as we enter into the Easter period and what the cross and the crucifixion really looks like. And I hope and I'm, I have a feeling in my spirit as, I, as, I, as we enter into the, the journey towards the cross this Easter that lives are going to be changed, yours and mine, as we talk about the phenomenal, outrageous love of Jesus Christ, this agape love. But do you know what this agape love does? It takes down slavery and biases. It empowers the poor and it seeks to destroy anything that allows darkness to have the final say. And get this, this agape love, this, this God love, it's the kind of love that kicks at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. You think I've got really fine into heaven. You think this nut from there, he's just getting up. Lost the run of himself. He's lost the run of himself this morning. No, I haven't. The church has lost the run of itself when it comes to the enemy. We need to get back in the game. We need to get back to warfare. We need to get on our knees and pray like we've never prayed before. The New Testament church, guys, it was gripped by his purpose. They were gripped by his purpose, his presence, and his power. They were known for his love, but they were also known for their power. They were known for, uh, for what they did among the poor, but they were also known for purpose and power. You can't talk about a New Testament church and not talk about power. Did not Paul say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Why is he not ashamed of the gospel? Because it's a power of God unto salvation. It's a power of God unto salvation. It is powerful. So how do we do it? Jason, how does this army, you know, we never get to ride with the cavalry, march with the infantry, shoot with the artillery. We don't get to do all that. So what, what, what's in it for us? Well, in his hometown of Nazareth, this, this is his mission statement. You know, you know Coke's mission statement, and you might know other people's mission statement, but this is Jesus' mission statement this morning. I love this. Uh, the first time he ever spoke uh, in a vineyard, I got to speak with Alan Scott because he didn't trust me to do it on my own. And uh, so... <laughs> And somebody gave me this text of scripture, look for 18 to 19, just before I got up to speak. And I still have a handwritten piece of paper. Uh, and it says this, Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he told the world that he was about what he was about. And he's making it clear he had come to fulfill a messianic prophecy of Isaiah, that guy that we talked about earlier. He said, God's spirit is on me. He has chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. This is what the army of God does, okay? Get excited. He sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to get the burdened and the battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. This is the word of the Lord. It's given to us in love. It's absolutely true. Blessed be the name of Jesus, Messiah King. Guys, you think Christianity is some sort of hierarchy or some sort of thing that destroys societies and countries and, and creates wars. No, 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 no. Religion does that. This is the mission statement of Jesus Christ. It's good news for the poor. It's good news for the prisoners and those who need to sight. And that's talking about spiritual blindness and physical blindness. Let's not get away from that. He is sent to set the burdened and the battered free. He is the God of all freedom. Christianity is a freedom message. It's not something that keeps us bound. It's not a do and a don't. It is a freedom revolution that brings people into life and life in its very fullness. And that's what it does at its best. It touches every aspect of society and every aspect of our life. A society without Jesus is ruined. A society without Christ 
is going nowhere. That sounds very arrogant, Jason. No, he came to set people free. Jesus came to set the burden and the battered free. That's what he still does today. Any society has Jesus, it is the better offered. Any society has a local church, the place is better offered. Because we're here, I want to say with all due respect and all hum humility, that Dungannon is a better place for Vineyard Church, Dungannon. And for the Baptist, and for the Methodist, and for the Catholic Church, and for the free and the independent and the not so free and all those three things in between we are the better off this society is the better off for the local church right so let's let's get behind it so you can't read this and miss it it's good news you can't miss that it's not just spiritual sight to the spiritual blind it touches the tangible needs of the poor it emancipates those who are held by hurts and habits and hang-ups it sets us all free. It's an all-encompassing gospel. It touches every aspect of our lives. And you know what? This is what I discovered when I came into the vineyard, and it changed my life, and it changed my perspective. Good news then is good news now. Yeah, it sounds that simple, but it is. Good news then is good news now, because the king has come. The king has come. Good news now is good news then, <laughs> and then and now. Which is the full encompassing message that Jesus proclaimed in Luke's. It still impacts. It means it still impacts me. It still impacts you. It still goes through lives and countries and everyone and everywhere. It is a phenomenal gospel. We should preach it. We should preach it more. In our schools and towns and villages. And what is it? It's just the good news of Jesus that he's kind, he's good, and he's come to set you free. What does it look like today? What does the gospel look like? People say you don't preach the gospel, Jason. Are you kidding? I try and do it every week. Am I failing? Well, here's the gospel. How good news is impacting lives through regenerate. Because I showed up here on Tuesday night to do the PowerPoint. Wednesday night. Okay, they didn't need to know that. I showed up here on Wednesday night, and I was the PowerPoint man and the sound man, and I tell you what, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and then the smarties are going to say, well, you can do it every weekend. <laughs> now, you guys do a wonderful job. Seriously, let's give it up for the hidden people. It's funny, like, as I heard a story, and it's true, because I've done this, you know, a church pastor and the PowerPoint people, you know, you're a pastor up there, and the slide's knocking up, and you're saying, what is wrong with these guys? We just put the slide up, and then the next week, your son's on for the first time. <laughs> and you're like, give him a break. It's his first time. <laughs> Regenerate. Kingdom come. The army. People having businesses and people having hope and people having dignity and people going to the toilet without being, um, well, yeah. And people feeling that their family matters and people educating young women and young girls that they were going to put into slavery because a small group of people here believe that the kingdom of heaven has come and that Jesus is on our side and we are on the one side and we can't affect society and we can't storm the gates of hell and bring people into life. And we've set up something like 30 34 projects since May last year. That is phenomenal. 
I, I kid you not, I, I woke up on a Thursday morning and I uh, was heading to, uh, well, I, I'm going to name drop here just in case you think, you know, let's book each I was at Westminster Theological Training Day. And I bought a book. <laughs> You've got to get to hear it all over Easter. And uh, no, I'm just joking. And, and so I was thinking about this, and I, I was just thinking the impact that, I mean, so God has just totally blown my mind that I, when I came here, my goal was to have people come to church and sing songs and your kids to be looked after, and we'd have life groups and we'd maybe do a conference. I kid you not, that was my vision plan. And Jesus had another idea, right? He said, Jason, Wise up. Because Jesus is, well, if you do the historical background, Jesus is originally from Derry. There's <laughs> a whole theology. I'll take you through that someday. Um, but he had all our plans. And do you think that a small, ragtag bunch of people from different social classes and political backgrounds and, and a small town called Dungannon could impact an, a, a, part, a small part of India with, with life and hope? Hey, you guys are amazing. Let, let me just let you in the secret. There's other big churches out there, and they're not doing half as what you're doing. Yeah. That's not arrogance, and that's not what we're going to. That's not what we're going to set our goals on. We're not going to do the comparison thing. But it's phenomenal that a small group of people in this size have affected India. I, if you had said to me 10, 14 years ago, I'd have said you're nuts. I would have said you never get me to India for starters. And then we, you know, forget about India. What about our own backdoor reach? You know, doing the hampers and feeding people and bringing the, the bruised and the battered and the disillusioned into, into a weekly connection with people that love Jesus and know Jesus and pray to Jesus so that they can receive love and mercy and dignity without any judgment or, or, or gossip. Yeah, phenomenal church. That's what it looks like to be in the army of Jesus Christ. Manage. It's, it's, it's fantastic that we get to do all this stuff. And please do come next Sunday night. Uh, these guys spent a bit of time with Johnny Burney and, and Brian Cummins, actually, last, uh, it was Easter Monday last year. Oh, Easter Tuesday. And uh, it was good, wasn't it? It will stir your heart and it just, yeah. And then lava. You think, what's, well, how does that change the world? You know, on, on Friday night past here, there was an organized fight in the town. Uh, just outside here, uh, outside our premises, where, where lava was happening. And I thought, ah, that's kind of strategic. Yeah, aren't we in the best place on a Friday night when that's taking place? To, to be about, to be a presence. And so I showed up, Michelle showed up, and I hated it, to be honest with you. But <laughs> I'm sure people love teenagers out there, and I just encourage you to be part of that. But in all seriousness... <laughs> I've lived with them for too long. It's my problem. Uh, it, it just, just to love on kids. And, and the noise in there and the buzz in there and they're dropping popcorn over the place and I'm thinking that. <laughs> but, you know, you see, we're just a ragtag. We look like Dad's army, but we're not. We're not. We're, we're, we're loving young people. And I'll tell you what, we're going to get our game together with the youth of this town because it is not normal society for groups and bunches of kids for the highlight of their week to watch a fight. That, that, I'm not putting up with that. That is, in the Greek, crap. 
we, we're not doing that. We're, 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 going to, we're going to get on our knees again. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Yeah, I'm not putting up with that because we are the army of God and young people matter to Christ. And you know what? Uh, there's so much more and, I, and I'll probably get carried away here, but I, I want to see. I, I'm dreaming. Here's what I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming of teenagers who's going to plant churches in Ireland. I, I'm, I'm dreaming of courageous parents who just don't put our kids through the track of, of university and grants and, and loans and all that. I, I'm also dreaming of, there's no, noble, there's no more a noble thing also than to be a servant of Jesus Christ in this land. I think sometimes we've got it wrong and we've got it all upside down. He has called us to this precious thing called the kingdom. He talks about it as if it's just the most valuable thing in the world. He says, there was once a man, what the heck's wrong with me this morning? (laughs) There was once a man and he found a field and he sold everything because he found the treasure in the field. The treasure is the kingdom of heaven and everything else is secondary. Uh, Hear me as a parent, even education is secondary. It's all secondary to the pearl of great price. Guys, I could go on. There's La, there's Cali, and talked about that. There's our prison ministry, and you see, would you, what does the army of God do? I want to put it simply: it's not some crazy weirdos. It's just a band of people who want to feel God's extraordinary goodness, His mercy, and His love through signs and wonders and miracles and healings and prophetic words and random acts of kindness and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. And show it up on a Friday night in the car park, making sure nobody gets hurt. Jesus said the enemy's purpose and his goal was this, and I'm going to try and finish and wrap this up. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his strategy. It's his, I want you to get this. His primary strategy is for you to keep from finding out who you really are. are you, to find out who you really are. If, it would shit. I, I guarantee you, if, if this message, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if, if it actually got inside your heart and your soul today, if this message took root, it would shake you to your core and shake the enemy big time. If you really discovered who you are, you're, you're more than your occupation, Vineyard, guys. Oh, this nation, again, this Western culture, you know, and men are the worst for it, you know. A woman asks, you know, what's your name? And then they talk about kids and family. Well, us men, we're, we're so shallow. We say, what's your name and what do you do? Anybody guilty of that? I mean, I do it all the time. First thing I'll ask somebody is, what, what's your name? And then the second thing I'll probably say is, what do you do? What do you work at? And that's okay, by the way, that's okay. But I just want to get, we're more than our occupation is what I want to say. We're more than just being moms and dads. We're more than being employees or employers. We're, we're more than being a brother and sister. We're more than sons and daughters to our natural parents. Actually, we are sons and daughters of the living king. Jesus, Messiah, this, this warrior God who came with love. The warrior God who came with love to the crucifixion. This warrior God who emancipated all of society in the world and left us with the message and the war and the battles to continue on with. And we, if, we, if we knew that, guys, this, if we knew that we were, we were pulled into our, not just our own story, but his story, the one true story, we're not just good people showing up here on a Sunday morning. I don't want that. 
Guys, I don't want to give my life to good people showing up on a Sunday morning, singing songs and, and, and hearing a guy preach and, and then going home again and feeling good about ourselves. I, I'm not giving my life to that. And please don't you yell her. It's too small a goal. Give yourselves to Christ, his church, and his cause. Ecclesia, do you know what it means, the word church? It means called out, gathered, and given authority. It's for the benefit of society. It's for the better, betterment of a, of a town and a community. It has legal power. It has authority. It, it, it does something good in the community. And that's why I want to talk so, we need to talk really loving and a healthy way about the local church, guys. See, we just don't have compassion. We have authority. And if you get that, it just, it, it's not some hard thing. It's actually authority and love changes everything. Transforms societies, communities, villages, and towns. Let me finish because I've run out of time. And, and the authority thing, I, I hope that you get. You, you're not going to get me. You're not going to get the authority thing of me teaching, you to, teaching it to you, by the way. You're only going to get it when you go out and feed people and clothe people and lay hands on people and pray for the sick. That's how you're going to discover authority. Me talking about authority all day up here won't change one thing in this town. But you, you, you get it when you give it. Does that make sense? You'll get, you'll get it when you give it. Try it this week. That's your task for this week. Napoleon, and I think Frederick the Great, was labeled with the, the great quote that an army marches on its stomach. Yeah, I want to finish up by talking about this army. We don't march on our stomach, we march on our knees. We march on our knees. That's how we take ground. I want to talk just, just very briefly as we finish up about the, warrior, the warrior's prayer. Do you know the warrior's prayer? It's been known as the Lord's Prayer, or the prayer of the disciples. I'm going to call it the warrior's prayer this morning because there's this part in this prayer when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is no more, that's more of a warrior's prayer than anything I've ever heard in my life. Right? What, what is he talking about this morning? Is that what you're saying? See, when we pray that prayer, we're actually, we're actually connecting with heaven to change earth. It's a prayer of change and transformation. It's a prayer that actually does something for, for heaven, that future that we're going to taste someday. We can actually feel of it here and now in the present, right? We taste the powers of the future, future age. The, the king has come. Jesus has come. His own reign is here. And we get to taste and partake of the future here and now. And so every time we pray, God, whatever is in heaven, would you demonstrate it here and there? What does that look like? It looks like social justice. It looks like poverty being eradicated. It looks like sex abuse being unearthed uh, and brought into the light, right? And then something done about it. That's what it looks like. It looks like justice has come and justice is being done. When we pray the prayer of the warrior God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's the most radical prayer that a Christian could ever pray. It's the most dangerous prayer that a Christian could ever pray if you want to act on it. Man, it would just totally radicalize our society, our streets, our communities, our schools and car parks. If we caught a hold of the warrior's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we partner with the living God, the Messiah King, the warrior God, the crucifixion God and King, this God who was raised from the dead, and this God who, who still emancipates people today, what was good news then is good news now. If we caught a hold of the warrior prayer, your kingdom come in Dungannon, your kingdom come in Tyrone, your kingdom come in this nation, it would change everything. Can I finish with the story? Let me tell you a great story, a story that, that, that actually... Yeah, it just changes my thinking all the time about prayer. 
Um, the Berlin Wall. You, you remember watching it on TV? Yeah. It coming down. Yeah? yeah. A phenomenal part of history that we've, we've grown up in. These are great days to be alive, aren't they? Super days to be alive. So good. Let me finish with this. So when we talk about prayer, I, I do believe we're moving the hand that shaped the world. I do believe that. When Marcus, and I, I, we're, just, we're just back to teenagers again for some reason. I didn't link this. But when Marcus Legal was 13, 13 years of age, word began to spread about a weekly prayer meeting in the church of St. Nicholas in Leipzig. It was said that the people were daring to cry out to God for an end to the oppression of communism. That prayer meeting had begun several years earlier and just a handful of faithful Christians on a Monday night. But it now started to grow. Exactly a month before the wall came down, no fewer than 70,000 people had gathered around the church to intercede for peace. The government was alarmed and threatened to shut the church down. Doctors were so concerned that they set up emergency clinics in the building, expecting the prayer meeting to be showered with bullets. The night the wall came down, the night the wall came down, they estimated up to 300,000 gathered in prayer in Leipzig. Wow. An army that marches on its knees. An army that marches on its knees. Run out of time. Let's stand.